This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Susan Diamond, President of the Home Business and Interim CFO of Humana. Susan, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Great. Thank you for inviting me. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes, sure. Sure. Happy to. So I actually started my career not in the healthcare or insurance space, um, but actually working with early stage venture-backed technology companies. I then joined Humana a little over 14 years ago in their mergers and acquisition area. Um, and since that time, you know, I've held a number of finance and operational and strategic leadership roles, which really allowed me to deeply understand the business, particularly the Medicare business, which is where I have spent most of my time um, within the Humana organization. Then in mid-2019, Humana created a dedicated segment to the home business, which I was asked to lead, and I've been working with the team ever since then to really better define and advance our ambitions to really transform the home into the center of care delivery for our members. That's so interesting. So, you know, I know, especially this past year during the pandemic, obviously, a lot of things went remote and, um, you know, home care became a bigger part of so many different types of specialties and, you know, ways to treat people. What do you really think is, um, you know, where do you think that's going? How do you see that that field evolving? Sure. So, you know, it's been interesting. Humana has been interested in and really um, acquired different capabilities within the home care delivery space for, you know, quite some time, really dating back more than 10 years. So we've been focused on this long before the pandemic um, and actually made our largest investment in this space in 2018 with our investment in Kindred at Home, which is the country's largest home health and hospice um, provider. And we made that investment really with a strong conviction that more care would be delivered in the home longer term, that patients would desire for more care to be brought into the home, and with the belief that the, you know, the patient experience and the outcomes can be improved by delivering care in the home. So all of that you know, was a strong belief that we had long before the pandemic. When COVID hit, you know, really it, it only served to reinforce those convictions and, and I would say really accelerated the pace of change um, to bring that care in the home. You know, for obvious reasons, there was a desire to avoid facilities-based settings, particularly for our more complex, you know, members who were dealing with, you know, multiple chronic comorbidities and were really, you know, at risk if they would enter the facilities. So what was interesting for us to see is a couple of things during the pandemic. One was a substantial increase in the use of virtual medicine um, in delivering care, you know, real high-quality preventative care. Before the pandemic, we had been working on our strategy of moving care to the home and and met with some skepticism and resistance around the use of virtual and in-home care, you know, believing that you couldn't deliver the same quality of care as you could in a a clinic or facility-based setting. And so the pandemic really required um, our providers to embrace it more fully. And what we've been really pleased to see is that they have become more aware of the quality of care and that, frankly, the range of care that can be supported virtually, particularly when supported with, you know, video-enabled technology. The other nice thing was, you know, some of our consumers who may have been more reluctant to use technology, you know, also in some cases out of necessity or in some cases supported by their family members and caregivers, we're also becoming more comfortable with the technology. And so through the pandemic, you know, we were able to see that our patients were able to get the preventative care they need. 
we actually saw a higher rate of medication adherence through the pandemic than we actually saw pre-pandemic, which we truly believe was supported by some of those new and more innovative ways to deliver care. So that is certainly something that we believe was accelerated as a result of the pandemic. We think that will continue, um, and we're pleased to see it because we think it can improve the quality um, and sheer number of inter interactions that can be supported between patients and providers. The other thing that is even more interesting in our minds is just the shift to higher acuity care in the home. You know, again, before the pandemic, we were working on, you know, what you might refer to as hospital at home or skilled nursing at home services. Into, delivered in the home, and that was particularly met with resistance. You know, most hospital systems were not really actively exploring those types of solutions. They had capacity in their facilities um, and were more inclined to admit a patient to home, and providers were more inclined if they had a patient who was sort of borderline, felt more comfortable, you know, recommending their patient, you know, be supported in a field nursing facility as an example. And through COVID, you know, hospitals really were seeking out solutions to better care for their members at home to free up capacity for those higher need COVID patients. And, you know, providers and family members were seeking out, you know, actively alternative settings for their loved ones. You know, we all saw some of the challenging situations where family members were not able to, you know, even have interactions with their loved ones who were in a skilled nursing facility. So I really believe, you know, the acceleration we've seen in those higher acuity models is a number of years advanced um, versus what we would have seen in the absence of the pandemic. And so more and more hospital systems are embracing those solutions. And skilled nursing care in particular is one where it has seen the largest impact as a result of COVID and frankly um, isn't bouncing back like some of the other settings. And I really think um, we'll see sustained change in referral patterns where physicians and specialists and hospitalists really look to home-based solutions that allow their patients to recover and have, you know, higher quality outcomes um, by, while receiving high quality care in their home. And, and we, you know, couldn't be more thrilled about that given this was, you know, our ambition long before COVID and it's really only reinforced our conviction and the rate at which we think these solutions will expand across the country. Got it. Got it. That's so interesting to hear and um, really, really great to know, I'm sure, on your end of things that you had kind of a jump start to all of this and really seeing it come to fruition, I'm sure is exciting. Now, for yourself as a, a leader um, and executive at the company, what are your top priorities and how do you anticipate they'll change in the next year or so as you're working with your teams? Sure. So, you know, I mentioned that I took over the, the home segment in mid-2019 um, when one of the first things we did is really take a step back and rethink, you know, what our true ambition was in the home. And what we landed on is really an ambition to provide a full continuum of care capabilities in the home. So ranging from preventative and primary care, as well as urgent and emergent care, um, and even, you know, higher acuity hospital and SNF level care, as I mentioned before. So we are very focused on those priorities. Um, three primary things in that space. One is to just simply expand access to those types of services. Um, so many of these models are, you know, available on a more limited basis just geographically because they're fairly new models. So we are working with a number of partners to significantly expand access through, you know, deeper penetration in markets they're already providing services as well as expanding the sheer number of markets um, where the services are offered. And so our partnership with Dispatch Health is one great example of that, where at the time that we partnered with them, they were in less than 20 markets. Um, and then by the end of this year, they expect to be in 48 markets, 
offering their emergency room services and nine markets where they offer what they refer to as advanced care services, which in layman's term you can think about as more hospital at home services. So we're seeing significant interest, investment funding that supports expansion of these models so that just more patients can have um, access to these high quality models. So that's one priority. The second is, you know, a strong commitment really across all of Humana to focus on and implement value-based principles in all aspects of care delivery. So you see a lot of this in primary care where you'll see more advanced um, value-based models in the delivery of whole person care where the physician will truly take full accountability for the total cost of care and bring additional support mechanisms to bear within their practices to support a wider range of patient needs. You know, that could be social determinants of health, you know, if they're food insecure, if they're socially isolated, if they don't have transportation, all of those things we know can lead to preventable hospitalization events or other challenges. And so they will work very hard to address a full set of patient needs and bring the needed solutions to bear. And we think that mindset and operating model needs to be brought forward to other parts of the delivery system. Um, and so I'll talk a little bit more about our kindred investment in the home health space, because that was very much based on a belief that value-based principles should be brought to the home health landscape. And I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that in just a second. The third priority that we're really focused on within the home segment at Humana is to begin to create greater connectivity across these range of capabilities. What we have found is that each of these capabilities, whether it's primary care, urgent care, hospital-level care, when it's brought to the home, we see better outcomes. When we can leverage them in combination and in coordination, we see even greater outcomes. And so we have been working hard to create, through technology and other integration points, the ability for both patients and providers to, to A, be aware of the availability of the services, and then B, make it easier for them to access the relevant services in support of a broader range of patient needs. And so as I come back to Kindred, you know, that's a really good representation of both our belief about value-based mindsets as well as creating this more connected ecosystem. And what we've been able to do through our continued work with Kindred is to really lean into the way in which home health is delivered today. And today, it's very much a fee-for-service model um, as designed by CMS. And so there's not really a reimbursement mechanism or any other incentive to guide the home health agency to take a total cost of care approach and address anything beyond the needs that are sort of provided for in the physician order that sent them into the home in the first place. And what we learned through our work with Kindred is that oftentimes, you know, the patients that are in home health are some of our most frail and vulnerable members where they are five times more likely to have a hospitalization event in the next 120 days than members who are not in need of home health services. So it's a population with a lot of need and arguably a lot of opportunity to avoid unnecessary hospitalizations and keep the patient safely at home where they can, we believe, recover more fully. So what we were able to do is, you know, really lean into that leverage analytics that will allow us to proactively identify those patients who are most likely to have a readmission event. We would communicate that to Kindred so that they could then prioritize those members and get into their homes more quickly than a patient who had lower, you know, complexity and, and lower risk of readmission. We're able to better communicate 
what needs that patient has that are likely to be the cause of a readmission so that they don't have to sort of figure that out for themselves, but rather get after it very quickly. And then what we found is that oftentimes the needs of the patients were much broader than what was known going into the home. And as they identify those needs, because we as a Medicare Advantage plan are responsible for the total cost of care, we can incentivize and reimburse them to address those broader needs. And that could be, you know, that we need to bring in primary care to address, you know, a medication issue. It could also be, you know, an emergent issue arises, which in the current environment, the only real choice the clinician has is to refer the patient back into the emergency room. And with the frailty of this population, you can almost guarantee that that's going to result in a hospitalization. And oftentimes that hospitalization results, you know, the patient's often bed bound, they may not be eating well, their loved ones may not be able to to be around them. And oftentimes we find that they decompensate and oftentimes they're never able to return home. So with our ability to bring in a partner like Dispatch, address those emergent needs in the home and keep them independent at home, we see that there's fewer readmissions, fewer transfers to post-acute facilities, and longer, you know, stays at home um, with, you know, a higher quality of life than we see in the alternative model. So those are the things we've been working on with Kindred um, in order to identify the needs, bring more innovative clinical innovations to bear, and then make it easier for those clinicians to tap into that range of services that we are building um, to ensure, again, a holistic set of patient needs can be cared for while in the home. Got it. Thank you so much, Susan, for going through that with us. Now, obviously, the Kindred acquisition was a huge one for the organization. I'm wondering, how are you thinking about growth in the future? Yeah, so, you know, as you mentioned, it's the largest acquisition um, Humana has ever done, and it will really fundamentally change sort of the composition of the company. Um, We will have more associates within our healthcare services segment, and specifically the home segment, than any other part of Humana excuse me, Humana, and it will largely be clinician-led. So we will employ more clinicians than, you know, just about anybody in the country, and it will be the largest class of associates within the Humana employee population. So we're really proud of that. Um, We are really excited by the opportunity that creates to ensure that we really lead with a clinician voice and mindset um, in support of our patients, which is, you know, what we focus on every day. So as I mentioned, we've done a ton of work with the Kindred team All of that work, you know, just reinforced our belief about the need for value-based models in the home health space. You know, it taught us that we could clinically innovate and that we could deploy those innovations, and it also allowed us to see the positive impact that those interventions had on total cost of care um, and member outcomes. So with all of that work that we did the last couple of years, it really built our confidence and led to our desire to integrate the Kindred asset more quickly um, than we otherwise could have under our contractual arrangements, which led to our announcement, you know, two weeks or so ago about our intent to fully integrate the Kindred asset. And what we intend to do is, you know, they have a very strong core business um, that largely supports sort of the fee-for-service original Medicare patient. We will continue to support those patients. It is a high need. You know, those are high quality services that are necessary and we will continue to support and grow that business. At the same time, we intend to also stand up this value-based model. And that model initially will be more geared towards the Medicare Advantage health plan partner, much like Humana. Um, We intend to make these services available to all health plan partners. You know, we believe that all Medicare recipients should get the benefit of these higher quality models. And the Medicare Advantage chassis allows us to do that. 
So we intend to stand up, you know, value-based models, make those available to our health plan partners, bring all of this clinical innovation to bear and deliver higher quality care and more holistic care for those patients. We'll then continue to work with our CMS partners to sort of educate them on what we're doing, share the outcomes and improved, you know, total cost of care, you know, results that we're able to deliver and share that with them in the hopes that over time we can work to implement more of those value-based models in the fee-for-service world such that over time these models begin to come more close together. And at the same time, as we develop these clinical innovations, where possible and appropriate, we will leverage those in the fee-for-service world as well to sort of rise the level of care that we provide across the board. But there will be some things that will really only be possible in the the value-based model unless and until sort of CMS begins to adopt some more of these value-based mindsets, which we believe they'll do over time, and we'll continue to work with them in support of that. Got it. Yeah, that's that's so interesting to know. And obviously, we've talked a lot today about, you know, some of the things that Humana is doing um, for members and some of the new ways that it's integrating um, the home business. And so I'm wondering, you know, what are your conversations like with health systems and members today versus a year ago or even before the pandemic? Yeah, it's been really interesting. As I mentioned, you know, before the pandemic, you know, I mentioned that we did encounter a fair amount of skepticism um, on part of, you know, patients and clinicians, you know, about the range of care that really could be provided, not only virtually, but in the home. And so, as I mentioned, you know, as a result of the pandemic, physicians and specialists in particular have really embraced the use of virtual medicine. I think it's allowed them to gain a better understanding about the quality of care that can be effectively delivered by leveraging technology. Patients have become more comfortable. So I really do think that is something that we'll see sustained change around. Um, As I mentioned, we're also seeing much greater interest in higher acuity care in the home. Um, As I mentioned, hospitals were not really embracing this pre-COVID. There weren't actually CMS reimbursement models that supported it. So we were very supportive um, of the additional flexibility CMS introduced during the public health emergency, which allowed for um, the provision of hospital home services in certain cases. And so as a result of that, we really have seen a significant increase in the interest by hospital systems that we do think will be sustained and frankly lead to additional investments in this area in terms of capabilities in technology, logistics capabilities, labs and diagnostics, all in the support of delivering more care in the home. And then, as I mentioned, I really do think skilled nursing um, facilities in particular will begin to shift more care at home um, as much from patient and provider pool as anything. Um, The other thing that we expect is that, um, you know, it'll take further and just ongoing efforts with CMS. You know, today in the traditional home health space, there's a requirement that the patient be homebound in order to benefit from um, home-based services. And, you know, through the pandemic, they've been able to lift some of those flexibilities. It's allowed us to do more in the home. And so we do expect that health systems will continue to work to remove barriers and increase access for patients, and that we'll continue to work with CMS to implement additional needed flexibilities and permanent program changes that continue to reinforce the innovation that's needed in this space, um, which has really been accelerated through the pandemic. Got it, got it. That's, you know, so interesting to think about how care delivery and the site of care obviously is changing so rapidly, especially um, after COVID-19. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, what are the three most interesting trends in healthcare that you're following today? Yeah, so if, if, if I was going to limit this three, I'd say um, continued advancement of value-based models, 
and I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, we've also seen, you know, everyone is focusing on social determinants of health and more recently sort of improved health equity for patients. And then we've also seen, I would say, a real acceleration in the use of remote monitoring technology and virtual medicine, as I mentioned. So in the value-based space, you know, we will continue to advocate for value-based operating and payment models, which we, again, have a strong belief that those um, provide a more comprehensive approach to care. You know, we will continue um, as Humana to, to lead in that space. And as I mentioned, we are looking to introduce new, innovative, value-based models in the home health space, um, even later this year in partnership with Kindred. On social determinants of health and health equity, again, that's really been top of mind for everyone. Um, it's also, I think, some of the more challenging um, problems that we face. Identifying patient needs, you know, really in and of itself is quite challenging. And then when you do identify a patient need, it can be really challenging to, one, understand what services are available and then actually create the needed access to those services. Um, oftentimes, those are locally sourced, community-based resources, and so it can be quite challenging to stay on top of what's available and then actually facilitate access um, between the provider and the patient. So we and many others are very focused on these challenges. We understand their importance. And so we're looking to leverage technology and other strategies that will allow us to streamline and simplify access and, and coordination of those much needed services. So we'll continue to do that. Um, finally, I think in the remote monitoring space in particular, one thing that's particularly interesting to us is the use of voice and AI technology, which we think really you know, provides an opportunity to significantly improve the ability to proactively identify patients who are experiencing exacerbation. Um, that's a really challenging thing for us to do analytically today. You know, we continue to work on, you know, non-traditional data sources and other inputs that will allow us to, in more real time, you know, identify when a member might be having a need that we can address. And, you know, you can think of a simple example of having, you know, an Alexa-type device in your home. And if Alexa every morning asks you how you're feeling, on the day that you're not feeling well, if you let Alexa know that, we could have someone proactively call and outreach and see how we can help. Um, and then, you know, at that time, it's all about then having a relevant and real-time intervention you can offer and the range of services that Humana's look to to bring into the, the Humana family, like in-home primary care, in-home urgent and emergent care, all of those things then could be deployed to safely keep the patient at home. So we do expect that, you know, devices will become more cost-effective, they'll become easier to use, particularly for, a, you know, a senior population. And then when that happens, we do expect to see significantly greater adoption and use in the healthcare delivery system to more proactively engage with patients at the right time. Um, we also, you know, as I mentioned, expect to see sustained use of virtual care um, in more creative ways um, to really allow for greater and more frequent connections between clinicians and their patients and support a more proactive preventative and holistic approach um, to their needs. Um, and, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do is just enable our members to really spend more healthy days at home. Susan, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thank you for having me.